right, part three, the final part of Fishers of Men. At this time, I really wanted a fishing pole, and I completely, there is no impact. It's the first, it's the first, so no, no junior high. Sorry, guys. Uh, here, here's, where was I? Fishing pole, that's right. Talk about fishing, there we go. Fishing pole. I wish I had one because it would have been a perfect illustration for, for what I'm trying to explain here. But the last two weeks, going on our third week today, we've been talking about being fishers of men. Now, week one, I kind of gave you the uh, gist of, of what my experience was as, as fishing out there, and it was a fun, interesting experience. But man, there was so much behind with the preparation. And so I just gave you that illustration to talk about the excitement I had when I caught one fish, but imagine the excitement we all have, including heaven, when one sinner comes to Christ and repents. You know, whole reason why we're doing this. And we had an anchor scripture, and this comes out of Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And again, this is Jesus. He's calling the disciples for the very first time. And he says, and, and it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So it's early, probably early day, and they're probably about to go. And it's the beginning of their process of them going fishing. Then he said to them, and that's Jesus, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Okay? Now going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And again, there's some other translations. That word mending um, also says preparing their nets. So again, I personally believe they're just getting ready to get the job done, okay? Then Jesus called them, he called them, and immediately they left the boat, check this out, and their father, and their father to follow him. And it just, to me, when I, when I see that part, they were willing to let go of anything. I don't think they walked away from dad in the natural. I just, I just believe they personally just, you know what, dad, got to do something right here right now. And maybe later on got him involved. I, I, I don't know. But it's cool to see these brothers leave everything they had to follow Jesus. And so week one, we talked about the calling of Christ. You know, at that moment, it's the first time that Jesus called his disciples to come follow him, and they answered. And in the same way, we have a calling in our life. When we hear the gospel for the very first time or the good news for the very first time, because God wants to make a way for us. He doesn't want us to be just fishermen in this world whatever occupation that might look like, but he wants us to be fishers of men because he realizes the importance of people. But for this to advance, for this to grow, we have to answer the calling the way these brothers answered the calling. Now in 2 Corinthians 1.21, it says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand in Christ. Going back to what Jesus just said, I will make you fishers of men. So the whole thinking of, I can let me get my stuff straight before I come to God, needs to be thrown out the window. Because he says, you can't make yourself right. I make you clean. You see, when you, when you think about it, you go fishing, and you say you caught a fish, okay, and you reel it in. You don't expect that fish to be clean. It's dirty. You are going to be the one to clean it because you caught it. And in a sense, God does the same thing to us. He's not looking for us to try to clean ourselves. He knows the filthy stuff that we've gone through in life. He said, hey, watch me clean you now. And so when we come in, we come in all in. Everyone say all in. in. We're all in. 
And so we can see that he's, where, where Scripture backs it up and says, hey, I make you fishers of men. I make you right and stand firm in Christ. And that is such, such a good thing to have because you don't want to do it on your own. You see, answering the call of Jesus, the way the disciples did, puts, puts us and the disciples in a position, okay, to be made in his image. You see, when you say yes to Jesus, you've placed yourself in a position to reflect him. Earlier, we were, I was praying and I was talking about maybe things that the words that, we're telling, that we, uh, we were told as uh, maybe younger kids or uh, maybe name calling or identity of who we used to be. It might be lingering in our minds, but when we position ourselves to the calling of Christ, God says, hey, I'm gonna make things brand new for you. You are no longer whatever that is because you are now a child and you are clean in me because of his obedience and what he has done. That was week one. And week two, we talked about, and this was last week, we talked about becoming disciples, okay? And the the word disciple from the Greek back to to the English language is just becoming a learner, a learner of Jesus Christ, saying, I want to be a student. And I gave an illustration for us to advance from elementary school to middle school, middle school to high school, high school to college. We have to choose to become students. I mean, there are many opportunities we may have to just step out and say, no, I'm done with school because I don't want to be a student anymore. But those that did stick it graduated to the next levels because you decided to be, the, be a student to, to grow in education. And the same thing, when we say, I don't want to just be a follower, I want to be a disciple of Jesus, because his word says, uh, make more disciples. Okay, he doesn't say make more uh, uh, followers or Christians. He says discipleship is what he's talking about, a lifestyle. When we make that decision, we're just simply saying, hey, I now want to learn the ways of Jesus. I want to dive in his word. I want to meditate on his scripture. I want to make sure that I do what Jesus wants me to do for my personal life. And what happens is we choose to stay close to Christ the way the disciples did. Everywhere Jesus went, they went. You know, and we see it unfold before our eyes in the scripture. But I like to go beyond that sometimes. I'm like, I wonder how it was at night when they just had chit-chat conversations or when they were just joking with each other. And, you know, they were probably just a band of brothers everywhere they went, that relationship that Jesus built with them because they just chose to stay close to him. They ate together. They laughed together. They probably cried together. They probably did everything. They probably pulled pranks on each other. I think I would have been one of those. But what I'm saying is they did everything together because they chose to follow and stay close to Christ. Therefore, they were disciples, students, of Jesus, and then when, when the whole thing unfolds, when God plans uh, unfolds before everybody at Calvary, at the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, everything that they've learned, they applied it and continue to move forward to advance his kingdom. And it's so on happening today because they chose to stay close. And when we choose to be that disciple of Jesus Christ, when we choose to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay close to his word, what happens is that we transform in our thinking in our speaking, and in our lifestyle. We transform from the inside out, the way we think. Have you ever had thoughts that come up? Maybe, maybe temptations come up or, or past came up, and it's just, oh, it's such a battlefield up there, and I, I love Jesus, and I'm doing everything I can to do the fallen, but I'm so distracted. Let me give you some news. It's going to happen because of a fallen world we live in, but God says you have all power and authority to take captive of every thought and cast it away. Okay, you have the authority in the name of Jesus Christ to say, no, I will not submit. 
Get behind me, Satan. You have every authority to change and transform your thinking when you meditate on his scriptures and allow the scriptures to come in you and allow his spirit to work within you. Again, transforms your speaking, the way you talk. You know, we all have flaws in the way we do things and maybe, maybe slip-ups or whatever. But if you want to transform that, his word, stay close to his word. Stay close to his word and let him do the rest. And watch the fruit that's being planted in your, or the seed that's being planted in your heart, the fruit produce a harvest out of your mouth. And whatever you're speaking, you're able to speak health and life into somebody else. Ever had a conversation with someone where everything's negative, Nancy? You know what I'm talking about? Everything they say is negative, negative, negative. There's no hope. Why am I going through this? Let that sink in you and watch the words counter that. Because what you're going to do is you're going to plant good seed into their hearts and a transformation can happen in their lives if we choose to stay close to his word. And in our lifestyle, our living, the way we live, we're transformed. I know there are old habits I just got rid of. The moment I started coming to Christ, I started growing. There's habits I didn't want to have no more. I just knew. No one told me to change. I made those decisions because I felt like the Spirit of God wanted me to do that. So my lifestyle started changing. The way I was doing things, the way I was talking, the way I was uh, just trying to feel like I was right in everything, all that had to go. And every day I know I'm being transformed in the flesh and in, in my lifestyle because of what the Word is doing in my life. And that's why we choose to stay close because of, uh, it'll transform our thinking, our speaking, and our living. And today I want to finish this whole thing out. Okay, I want to finish and close with this. I got a little story, actually a little illustration. I kind of talked about it a little bit. But, you know, I had two, I, I shared one story about going fishing at Lake Michigan. That whole deal. If you hadn't, didn't hear the story, go to uh, rlchollin.com, listen to the message two weeks ago. We have that available for you guys. But here's the thing. We, I went to Lake Michigan, and I was able to have the, the full experience of fishing, got a kingfish. It was awesome, and it was good. All right? I had it in my belly within an hour. It was awesome. But my second experience of fishing, other than the creek stuff that I was telling you about when I was a kid, was actually three years ago with you guys. I don't know if you remember, we had a church picnic three years ago, and there was this pond, okay, a full of uh, bluegill, right? Right? Is it bluegill? Right? Bluegill. And it was a catch and release type of fishing, okay? And I had pictures of my son. He's going fishing. And I know Darlene and, and Steve, they were helping us out because they knew I could not do it, you know? But they helped. They were there right there with my son and I. And we were catching them. And it was awesome. They were unhooking it. And then they were releasing it. And it was fun. I thought it was really cool. But after thinking about this message, I realized, man, there's a scenario that we've been put in as well when it comes to be fishers of men. Am I going to catch and keep and train and help, or am I going to release them and let them fall through the crack again to the ways of the world or whatever it is? There's a mentality that, that we need to change in our minds and our thinkings of how we do things if we choose Jesus. If we're saying yes to Jesus and I want to be a disciple, guess what? This game called life, well, actually, it's not a game, but this thing called life is not a catch and release. Let me lead you to Jesus. All right, be blessed, brother. See ya. You know, and I'm on to my journey. No, finding connections, putting them in a Bible-based church, saying, hey, let me pray with you. Those are ways that we keep and we help and we show the love of Christ to other people. You see, it, it, it's, again, it's not a catch and release, but a catch and keep. I don't even know if that, that's how you say it in the fishing term, but that's how I say it right now. It's catch and keep, okay? 
That's mine. I'm keeping it. And not the fact that these people are yours to keep, but how about befriending them? How about saying, hey, let me be a little patient. I know their lifestyle is maybe not the best, and I don't want to be around it, but let me be the light and help them in their life. Let let me ignite them, because I'm the one that's the light. I'm going to ignite them so they can shine, and they can catch fire for Jesus Christ. You see, the the common denominator, I guess, between uh, the the, the catch and release in the pond versus Lake Michigan and and the king, uh, Salmon, is the hook. Both of them required hooks for it to work. Without a hook, it doesn't work. Amen? I remember, again, that, that story uh, when I was younger, fishing in a creek, I created a hook out of a safety pin, all right? And I put baloney on it. And that baloney was helping me catch little guppies. But I needed some type of hook to catch the fish. And I realized the hook there needs to be a hook when it comes to be fishers of men because the heart needs to be drawn to Christ. The heart is what, need, is what we're aiming for. When we can get that hook in the heart, and what is that hook? The word of God, the scripture, Jesus Christ. If we can get the hook when we cast a net or cast a reel and we can get them to understand who Christ really is, who he really is, watch the hook take place. And all you're going to do is reel them in. Again, the common denominator, denominator is the hook. In Hebrews 4, 12, it says this. For the word of God is living and active. Sharper, like a hook, I would add, than any double-edged sword. Piercing, like a hook. To the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow. And the discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the Heart of the heart. You guys see it now, the common denominator of the hook being the word of God? We need to understand that Christ, what he's given us, the word and the spirit, is exactly the tool that we need to be fishers of men. It just comes down to us to go ahead and, and, and cast that out. In other words, what the scripture's saying is God's word in a, in a person's heart equals a catch. But how does the word get into the person? How do, how do we get that hook into the heart of the person? Simple. We make it complicated, but it's very simple. By sharing and speaking. By sharing, maybe your testimony, and speaking the word of God. Remember how I was talking about last week, we talked about how when we're in the word and when we're close to Christ, our speaking, our speech changes and transforms. See, when we do that, what's happening is we're going to have the words to speak to people. But Jesse, you don't understand the people I work with. You don't get it. The conversations that they have, I just need to get out of there. No, you need to be calm and patient and you need to seize those opportunities to speak truth and light, even if it's a smile for the moment. Now, I'm not saying be passive and allow to be pushed over. I'm not pushed over. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is we can't just throw a white flag because I just don't like this. I'm out of here. I'm uncomfortable. Fire me. I don't care. I'm gone. No, no, no. We don't do that. God didn't call you to do that. God has called you to go reach those valleys, those dark areas, and to be put on a stand so your light can shine. So that your light can raise, so Christ can be glorified in all of this. 
Romans 10, 17 says this. So faith comes from hearing, and that is hearing the good news about Christ. The only way someone's going to be hooked is when they hear the word of God and allow that thing to sink into them. But without us speaking on it, it's like we're not casting anything out, and therefore we're just sitting on a boat wishing a fish would come in our boat. Most likely it's not going to happen. See, my heart, let me, let me give you a little bit of testimony. My heart was hooked when I first heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I first heard it for the first time. Now, I knew of Jesus. I knew church. I've been to church. I, I've gone to a kid's group when I was younger, to summer programs. I've done it all. But when I actually heard the word of God being alive and active and the gospel, the good news of Jesus and the redemptive salvation that I have, even in my dead sin that I was living in, something hooked me. Something hooked me. And it was in this room that you were sitting in when I first heard. Because someone spoke by faith his word, and I heard. And because I heard the good news of Christ, I was drawn, and something was reeling me in to the kingdom. And at times, I remember at the time, you know, we had to walk up here. I was fighting to go up there. I don't want to go up there. I don't want to go up there. But something was pulling. Maybe we need a little bit of encouragement with our friends when we're trying to reel them in and not give up so easy. Maybe we need a little bit of, of umph and our witnessing about Jesus Christ, not let them be, because, oh, they didn't want to hear me. Well, I tried, God, see ya. You know, none, you know it's, what, what God wants us to do is put that effort into that. Prepare, obviously, our nets beforehand. Trust in his word. Man, start fighting the good fight of faith. Start reeling it in and believing that the spirit of God is going to catch them through your prayer. Again, so faith comes by hearing, and it's hearing the good news. My life when I first heard, my life was reeled in into eternal life. And I had the eternity now that Jesus promised me. And I thank God, honestly, for the people that were in that process throughout my life because they didn't give up. They were persistent. They were patient. I think that was the biggest thing for them. They were patient with me. I talked to one of my buddies way back in seventh grade that was my Christian buddy all the way up till today. And I asked him a couple of questions. Man, why did you tolerate me, man? I tried to make you do this and that. And he's like, man, I love you. That's all he said to me. He's like, and I really, I really cared for you. And so he was patient. He was willing to be patient with me. Not only that, but when I was caught, in a sense, and I came to eternity, and I'm like, yes, I had that eternal life, I wasn't released. They didn't play a catch and release in my life. I mean, our first pastor here, Pastor Edgar, that, that helped launch this place, was the first man that grabbed me under his wing and says, I'm taking you, and we're going to walk life together. And he taught me, and he showed me, and he rebuked me, and he taught me more. He corrected me. He showed me truth. And I had a 10-year season with him of process. And a, a lot of times it was behind the scenes, didn't let no one see anything, because I just really cherished those moments that he invested the word of God in me. Because day one, he told me, I see something. I see something in you. And I thank God he didn't do a catch and release in my life. Who's that in your life right now that did that for you? Who are you in that life to someone else that you have an opportunity to catch and keep? 
that you're able to do something. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, it says, so will my message be that goes out of my mouth. It won't return to me empty. In other words, his word never turns void. Instead, it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. For which I sent it. Don't, in other words, don't stop speaking God's word. Don't stop speaking his truth because the lost desires it. When I was dead in my sin, I desired something. I didn't know what it was. I had no idea what was empty in me. But I desired something. And I did felt lost. I, I was feeling lost for a while. Realized, man, I, I don't know where I'm going in life. I desired it. And when the good news came, I've realized that's what's been missing. It just took someone to share and speak that into my life. We desire, the, the lost desires, the lost desires to be found. They want to be found by, by, by Jesus Christ. It's like a puzzle piece. Ever miss, have a missing puzzle, puzzle piece in your house? And you've tried other pieces from a different puzzle and it didn't work? I mean, you're jamming that thing in there. I've seen my kids do that. We own, or we did own. I, did we throw them away? No, we didn't throw them away. Okay, we're going to. All right. But we owned all these puzzles, but we had missing puzzles. And I remember seeing my son trying to jam a piece that was from a different puzzle into that piece. And even if it looked the same and it was the same type of picture from the same type of cartoon character. It was not the right one for that place. And the discouragement and the frustration of him trying to jam it in there. And then, Dad, man, I can't do this. It's just one piece. I believe we do that sometimes. Maybe you, someone you know that doesn't have Christ is doing that right now, and we have that missing piece. We know who that missing piece is. And they're discouraged because they're trying to put alcohol in here. They're trying to fo follow the drugs in here, and I'm just trying to find peace, or I'm just going to work all that I can work just to get it done, or materialistic stuff, and those pieces are just not working. And God's called you to be a part of their life so you can share that news. Understand, it is important for us to continue speaking God's word, to continue to share the good news. Understand it is a privilege. I won't say privilege. It is a privilege to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not, not timid. So never be afraid to share, but be encouraged because you were encouraged. In Romans 10, 15, it says this, and how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful, I'm going to say that again, how beautiful, one more time, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. God said it, you're bringing the gospel, you're bringing the good news, how beautiful your feet are, no matter how stinky it might be. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> But how beautiful it is for those, those feet to, to willing just to go from one place to another to share the good news or one state to another or one country to another to share the good news. How beautiful those feet are. Because understand, there are people that are living in dark places right now. They're living in dark places and you have the power. I know there are countless times in my life, and, and I'm pretty sure almost everybody here had those same countless times, where the storm came and the power's knocked out. Amen? You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, so the power's knocked out, 
right? I've been in situations where it was knocked out for a couple of hours and it came right back up. I've been in situations where it was a day or two, back up. And I remember being in a case where it was two weeks before we got power in the middle of winter and everything was frozen solid outside. And I also remember the incident that just happened in Puerto Rico where 100% of that whole area is knocked out. I think yesterday someone was just telling me some places are still knocked out from power. We're looking at close to going on a year now, right? Maybe, maybe not all the way up there yet, but a long time. Now, think about those cases you had when the power was knocked out. Yeah, it's good for a second. We can tolerate it. But try taking a cold shower. <laughs> try taking your kids a cold shower. <laughs> it gets a little hard. You're trying to find different ways. To do it. It's, it's, you're stuck in the dark. Now, I remember those times when the power came back, especially after a long period. Yeah, I'm going home. I'm, I'm ready to go and do what I got to do. I saw a video recently about uh, power coming back at the Puerto Rico and the rejoice and the clapping and the dancing because of power, light. Light is, but we got electricity. There are people spiritually that are left in the dark right now, that are in the dark, and you, the electrician, know how to plug it in and say, let's do this. Let me share the good news. Jesus, okay, shared the good news with the 12, with 12 ordinary guys that people really didn't acknowledge. Jesus shared because he knew he had the power. He had, he had the truth. He had, and it was alive and active, and he was willing to bring light into darkness. He showed them how to reach people, and today, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do the same thing. You have everything you need to share and be fishers of men. I want to share three keys with you guys, okay, before I close. Three keys to help you share the good news, okay? Again, week one, we talked about the calling and accepting the calling, the responsibility. And then week two, we talked about choosing to stay close and becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, today, it's time to cast our reels. It's time to Get our nets ready because they're prepared, and let's throw them out there. And I want to give you three keys just to help you out. The first one is this. Identify your mission field. Okay? Identify your mission field. Where are you planted? Because wherever you're planted, take root and start blooming. Okay? Don't, don't, don't feel like, okay, Lord, are you calling me to Florida or Hawaii? I'm willing to do some mission work in Hawaii. Nothing wrong with that. People need Jesus over there. But if that is our mindset of what's comfortable for me, then we're not getting it. We're not getting it. Identify your mission field. Because wherever you're at, I want you to plant there. God wants you to plant there, and he wants you to bloom. Make the most out of every circumstance that you're maybe facing and you're living in. And then start reflecting his love. Start reflecting Jesus in the area that you're at. In Psalms 96, 3, it says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. I love that. He didn't say some peoples. He said all peoples. Keep your eyes open for people that you can talk to. Look around you. Not now, but in, in, your, in your life. Okay? Look for people around you that you can simply talk to. Then your next thing would be start connecting conversation with Christ. 
Find ways to connect conversation with Jesus Christ. Then let them know when, you, when, you, when you're in that now. Let them know, hey, I'm praying for you. Don't be ashamed to say, hey, I'm praying for you. Let them know, I'm praying for you. And the final step, you guys ready for this, church? It's very hard, and it shouldn't be. Really pray for them. Like, really pray for them, okay? Don't just say, I'll pray for you, then you completely forgot it. Like, really pray for them. You got to follow it up, okay? Did I wake everybody up? Don't, don't underestimate the power of God through prayer. Okay, I've related it to a clutch. The clutch is there. In the engine, the moment I release the clutch and I hit that gas, the rubber hits the road. The moment you pop the clutch called prayer, watch the power of God, the rubber hit the road in your life and in their life as well. So when you say, hey, I'm praying for you, you better really pray for them. You know, I've even got to the point where I personally say, hey, let me pray for you right now. You know, and I had some crazy faces thrown at me. I'm like, yep, Father God, and I just start praying. Because I really want to make sure I'm in tune with them. And they know that, hey, I am praying with you. If I caught you in that moment, I am not sorry. I will continue to pray with you wherever we're at. If I find you at Meyer, I'm going to pray for you, okay? You know, uh, we've been hearing about Billy Graham and, 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 the, and what's been going on. And just an amazing evangelist. But he had this saying about prayer. He said this, prayer is crucial in evangelism, which is what we're talking about right now, reaching out and going out, okay? No matter how logical our arguments or how fervent our appeals, our words will accomplish nothing unless God's spirit prepares the way. Our words accomplish nothing unless God's spirit is involved and he prepares the way for us. Don't underestimate prayer. Don't feel like it's not working. I keep praying and I'm praying and I'm praying. Start praying in authority and in the name of Jesus Christ. Start activating your faith. Start going into the scriptures and seeing what Jesus did. Start receiving the promises that he's given you. Because even though we may know that through our prayers and in the name of Jesus Christ and in our faith being activated, we can call any mountain to, to, to be cast into the sea according to Mark. But yet we don't see that mountain moving. If you will continue to pray, according to 1 Thessalonians, if you will continue to pray, that mountain, I guarantee, on the other side is starting to crumble. You just might not be able to see it. You stay praying fervently, continually, trusting what God is doing. So again, the first one was identify your mission field because that's what you're called to do. Number two, focus on his gospel, okay? Focus on his gospel because the gospel has the power to transform the lives. Not you, not your opinions, not your thoughts, not even your own ways. I'm sorry, okay? His gospel is, is, is what's going to transform us. His word is what's going to transform lives. Have you ever um, assembled something without the instructions saying, ah, I don't need it. I'm guilty, okay? I still am guilty, okay? And I've got, I'll get through it. But it's so messed up. <laughs> and my wife, loving wife, patient wife with me, has the instructions and she keeps looking at it and says, well, you're doing it wrong. Well, you're doing it wrong. That's not the right tool. Man, where you at? Don't leave me alone. <laughs> right? And I'm just saying, I don't know what it is, but I don't need that. I got this. I'm visual. Let me look at the box. All right, yeah. Kind of looks right. <laughs> We're all guilty of that, aren't we? <laughs> But my wife knows to follow the instructions, and it would help accomplish the, the project or whatever we're putting together. 
Sometimes in life, and I'm talking to the church, we think we can do that. You, you, you use the Jesse mentality. I'll use it that way. <laughs> I don't need this right now. Let me just, I think I got it. You know, I, I, can, I can flow. I know what God's saying. I know what God's doing. But yet we never go to Scripture. We only heard a couple of things, built some opinions, and tried to conquer this thing. And God's saying no. We need to be like the motive of Mahdi. I like that. The motive of Mahdi. Okay. Pick that baby up. Not my wife. Okay. Pick the Bible up. Okay. Pick the Bible up. Read the instructions. I don't want to call it instructions, but read his, his instructions. Read his directions. Read his promises for your life. Everything you do, you focus on his gospel, his word. And also remember, okay, remember why Jesus walked the world, why he came in the first place. And you find that in John 17. We all know John 3.16, but John 3.17 continues on by saying, for Christ wasn't sent to the world to condemn it, but to save it through him. He had a mission of why he came. And if Ephesians 5.1 tells us to imitate God as dearly beloved children, what should we be doing? What should we be doing? Everything you do, you focus on his gospel. And the last point is this. Share true stories of God's power. Some of us call it testimonies. But share true stories and I say that, emphasize it, true stories of God's power and his love and what he's been doing in his life, what you've been seeing. I mean, we all have a story to tell. One way or another, we all have things that we share. I encourage you, church, share it. Share it. No one can ever argue your story. No one can ever say, no, that didn't happen in your life. Why would you say that? It didn't really happen. They can't. Because it is your story. What do you have to lose? Nothing. When you share your story about God's power and love. I had a story uh, six months ago, maybe a little bit more. It's, it's been a while already. Less than a year, but been a while. A lot of you guys knew the story about my grandmother. About the, the, her flatlining. And if you don't, she flatlined. Okay, she flatlined. She was dead. They did the, the CPR, everything, and they quit. They were done. They did it for a long time, and they looked at the watch. They said, we're going to transport her to the next room. I was in the room, and I just saw her, her arms just laying like this, thinking my grandma's really dead. But something stirred up in me. I can tell you it wasn't Jesse, but it was the Spirit of God. Something rose up inside of me, and it reminded me about the resurrection power of Jesus Christ and how he can take dry bones and bring it back to life and how his tomb is empty today and that he is still living today and then I remembered about the resurrection power that saved my sinful life and made me alive and his scripture told me I have every power that I am a co-heir with Jesus Christ so what he has I have then I realized in that room, I, I didn't want to lose my grandma. She was too young. She can't go yet. That wasn't what was that. God, I heard you. I knew. And at that moment, I knew God wanted me to do something. I grabbed her hand 
And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, death, release her. In the name of Jesus Christ, come back alive. And the first thing that the nurse says is we got a pulse. Man, talk about chills. I had a pulse. I'm like, oh man, that's, this not works. <laughs> it's, it's my story. And for you to tell me God's power doesn't work, it's too late. You lost me. I'm, 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 I'm heaven bound. That was my story. But I didn't give you the other half because I didn't really see the significance behind it. But I see now the significance of me sharing it today. A week before my grandma and the whole incident happened, a week before, okay, my dad has a heart attack. And a lot of you guys knew that already. He was in New Mexico at construction site and doing his thing. And he has a mild heart attack, then a stroke right after that. And he didn't know what to do. He called all the kids. He called me and my sisters and just said, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm by myself. I don't know what to do. He had a couple of family members over there, a, couple of, uh, a brother over there, nephew. But we, we were just kind of getting together and just, I just started praying. Remember, a week before, okay? Don't lose that. And so two of my sisters out of the four, Okay, the two of my sisters said, hey, we're going. We're driving out there, and we're going to pick up dad, and we're going to bring him home. And I said, well, I'm going. But I'm like, let, me, let me connect with my wife, and let me figure some things out. She's like, go. She said, just go. So I was like, I'm going. So I told my sisters, I'm on my way, and let me get some things packed up, and we're going to leave the next morning. But that day, you can sit down and talk to my wife about it. That day, something was just bugging me. Something inside it, I can't really explain it. Just, it, it what it was, it was no peace about leaving. And it wasn't the fact that I had to drive far, I was dreading that, or the money that we had to, no, 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 I wasn't, none of that didn't really matter to me. There was just something inside of me that was just not sitting well. And I went to God about it, and I said, God, what is it? My dad's out there, and he needs us right now. And I knew what God was telling me, you're not supposed to go. But my sisters, I don't want them to go by themselves out there. Let me take care of my sisters. He says, do you not trust that I can take care of them? And so I finally looked at my wife and I said, I'm not going. And she said, what? I said, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me either, but I'm not going. And she says, okay. I just said, I don't have peace about it. Everything came out great. My sisters went, picked up dad, came back. Everything was smoothed out. My dad got healthier. He's working, he's back again, doing great. But now let's fast forward a little bit back to the incident of my grandmother. I'm in that room. I just got off the phone with my sisters right before all the alarms went off of my grandma flatline. And my sister says, hey, we, had, we, we took a little bit longer. We're still in Illinois. We're still in Illinois. We'll be there later tonight. Okay, I'll talk to you guys later. Hung up. Everything goes off. Imagine if I just didn't listen to that still small voice telling me, hey, go. I would have been in Illinois and not in the room where God wanted me to be at. There is a bigger plan. There is a bigger plan that God had. And he knew the whole time. He put me at the right place at the right time. Church, I encourage you. You may not know what's happening or why, but you follow the peace of God. Watch the power of Jesus Christ be alive and active in your life where you're going to be able to tell the stories in people's lives. 
And you say, no, 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 I've seen God's power. I'm just going to submit to his way and what he wants me to do. There are going to be moments where you want to go one way because you think it's best or it's, the, it's, 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 it's good for us to go this way. But God's saying, I got a greater plan and I want you to go this way. You have a choice to make. Choose to stay close to God. Choose to follow these keys and watch you become fishers of men. It is not on you to make the hook go into the heart. It is for you to cast a reel, to share the love, and to walk this world knowing Christ Jesus through relationship. 2 Corinthians 3.3 says this, it's clear that you are Christ's letter. Okay, he's talking to the church, but I believe he's also talking to us right now. It is clear that you are Christ's letter written as a result of our ministry, the kingdom of God, in other words. You are a letter written not with ink. Now check this out. But with the spirit of the living God. A letter written not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. You are a letter, church. You are a letter, resurrection life, people, that God is writing in your hearts and flesh. He's saying, I am writing the letter for not you to keep as a diary, but to publish to the world. Because when you are publishing what I'm writing in your heart and allowing the word to be alive and active in your life, watch my power consume this world, consume your world, consume your life. You are a letter. Let the world read it. Let the world see it. Church, commit to him. That is the only way you're going to conquer all of this. It's through him, Jesus Christ. Let's go ahead and bow our head and close our eyes. Lord, thank you for this series that you've given us, Father God. Thank you for the word and the fact that we have been in charge and enabled to do kingdom mission. Father, I pray right now that these words resonate in our hearts that the word that you were just given to us right now, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would speak to us right where we're at. Lord, if we're supposed to plant where we're at and take root and start blooming, thank you for the power to give us the strength to do it now. Not waiting for later, now. Lord, if you've been talking to our hearts and tugging in our hearts about us going somewhere or reaching someplace, Lord, give us the strength to do it now. Lord, it is your voice, it is your peace that's going to see us through this whole life. Thank you for your guidance. Now, church, this is your invitation. I'm just going to give it to you this way. We all need Jesus. And if you don't have him, his word says you can have him in your life. You see, in Revelations 3.20, it says, he knocks and you answer, he will come in. And he will eat with you. He will fellowship with you. Romans 10, 9, 10 says, if you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord of your life, you'll be saved. Saved from never being separated from the love of Christ. But your invite is up to you. So on the count of three, if you know that's you, or you want to come back to God, you kind of went your own ways, and it's time to come back home in a sense, 
On the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up. One, I want Jesus. Two, I need Jesus. Three, shoot your hand up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. This is invitations for you with your name. Anybody else on that invite? Don't carry the burden of trying to clean yourself. And let me get my junk straight first. Let me do this first, because you'll never get there, ever. He says, come to me the way you are. Let me touch you right where you're at. Let me humble you and cleanse you. Anybody else? Awesome. God bless you. See you back there. Church, let's do this as a family. We got people making a big decision that's an amazing, the best decision they could possibly make in their life. Everyone put one hand over your heart. We're gonna do this as a church family because those that raised your hand or wanted to raise your hand, guess what? You have a church family and we're here to back you up. Let's pray. Father, everyone say, Father, I believe in you. I believe in your word. I believe that you died for my sins, Jesus. But I also believe you raised back from the grave. That that tomb is empty. That you ascended into heaven. You're sitting at the right hand of the Father. And that I inherited everything that you gave me. Lord, forgive me for all the sins I've committed. Lord, I, I, by my faith, I receive your forgiveness, your mercy, your never-failing love. Have your spirit make a home in my heart right now. Because I am now alive and active in you. In the name of Jesus Christ.